Hello and welcome back to the Arbitration Station. My name is Brian Kotick and I'm here with Sadia and Joel. How are you guys doing? Great. It's great to hear your voice again. Finally. <laughs> back on air. Joel, how are you? I'm also great, I think. Well. O- objectively. Uh, as you just reminded me, it's it's coronation station time right now. And, and the country that we're all in is about to get shut down for a big ceremony. So we need to navigate that. But shouldn't influence life too much well that doesn't mean you stop working which you now know (laughs) that is true no time zones and arbitration we work all the time politically agnostic as well regionally region r-e-g-i-n-a regina um did you get that (laughs) the uh Welcome back, you guys. And I want to welcome back all of our listeners. We've had a few pokes and prods from the audience saying, where have you been and why are you leaving us hanging? So we are back with a new format. And the format is just to make it shorter. (laughs) Short and sweet. Short and sweet. So just one substantive topic, happy fun time, a little bit of banter still in play. Um, But hopefully that will keep everyone's ears sweet and keen. And the irony is that I've been advocating for this for years, a yeah, shorter format. It is <laughs> and now, for various reasons, I will not be as involved. I, I, it just took me to like semi-retire a little bit for you guys to agree to do a shorter version of the podcast. The start of a new era. You yeah. played takeaway with us, and we had to respond to your concerns. Fine. Um, today we have. Because you know it's London Disputes Week. I don't know when exactly we're going to publish it, but London Disputes Week is on the horizon or when you're listening to it, it's happening right now. I noticed that there was a lot more of crypto AI futuristic talk on the program. I don't know if you guys saw. So I think it's in our interest and in our listeners' interest to say a little bit about it. So we're going to start with an introduction of the decentralized autonomous organizations and how the need for regulation and enforcement of these uh, disputes that arose and have arisen and will arise has led to an online dispute resolution or blockchain blockchain dispute resolution. And I'm not talking about, oh, AI picks our arbitrator or ChatGBT decides our cases. I think it's, it's much more complex and hopefully I kind of lead you into areas unknown. Um, And then we'll lead off with happy fun time, going back to what everyone's talking about, which is we're going to all lose our jobs because the computers will take over. Chat GBT. (laughs) I used it. uh, Oh, no, Sadia, now that you just brought that up, I think we should talk about what Lionel has typed into Chat GBT. Oh, my gosh. So he typed... Just to check it out, he was like, oh, ChatGPT can do everything, anything. He's So he's an academic and he's he's telling me that he's using it to, you know, it's obviously unperfect, but we can talk about this. And he typed, I am hosting a podcast in international arbitration. Can you write me a fun and short introduction? And it responded, sure, here's a fun and short introduction for a podcast. Welcome to the Arbitration Station, where we bring you the best in international arbitration with a site of SAS. Join us as we navigate the complex world of dispute resolution 
from multi-billion dollar lawsuits to petty office squabbles. We'll break out the latest cases, analyze legal trends, and maybe even throw in a few arbitration-themed dad jokes. So buckle up, because it's time to get arbitraged. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like it's making fun of us. It sounds like a parody, like a mean friend is joking about what an arbitration station intro sounds like. I was... I had so many feelings. I was first horrified because I was like, this is really good. And then I was like, well, it's stealing from it's stealing from us because it's always starting with welcome to the arbitration station. So it's like us in the way better in a way. I yeah. like the welcome, like be get ready to be arbitrage. I thought that was really nice. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Because you're the... No, it, it's the accuracy of how did it pick our name? And then... Obviously, it's it's expanding. You said fun. Here's fun. Uh, we if you said fun and academic, maybe the answer would have changed. So it's all based on the prompt. I think it was great, but no more intros this season. We're just no, getting to the no, facts. Exactly, because ChatGPT has it for you. So this is the only <laughs> intro we're ever gonna do. <laughs> all right, guys. Without further ado, let's move on. So we we camp held a conference here in London in a few months ago. Um, it was called Law at Tech. I encourage everyone to reach out if they want to join. But basically, we had a few speakers going around the room. And one of the speakers, Bianca Kramer, who um, is a friend of mine, she is working with the World Economic Forum that put out this decentralized um decentralized autonomous organization toolkit. And so what I'm going to talk about in the beginning comes directly from that. Happy to share it. Um, it's a public document. So everyone um, should even, I think it's even online. So you can find it online. Um, what is a decentralized organization? It, it, it It's called a DAO. So everything's called the DAO from here on out. Um, they're organizational tra- structures that use blockchains, digital assets, and technologies to direct resources, organize activities, and make decisions. So it's community-oriented and co-driven, and they attempt to provide an alternative to traditional organizational forms by making operational information public and enabling members to participate in the governance of the organization. So they enable communities to achieve their goals by reducing the need for intermediaries or centralized leadership to manage operations. So they run on public permissionless blockchains where their actions and governance are encoded by the software to and enforced by smart contracts. So it's basically you invest as an individual user into this DAO and then you become part of the leadership, but it's decentralized. So everyone has kind of a voting say, not only in the governments, but what they're going to do with these funds. So some examples, um, Friends with Benefits, it's called, is a community DAO for Web3 creators. Friends with Benefits? Friends with Benefits. Yeah. Really? Okay. What is that? I'm eager to hear So it requires that. all interested parties to submit an application, and then you get a FWB token. And then the DAO enables large-scale coordination of this decentralized social group to fund and implement projects, ranging from publishing content to producing events. Um, so they have editorial content, they ho- li- host live activities and informal networking opportunities. So that's friends with your benefits. Wow. Um, another one is called Gitcoin DAO. Gitcoin is a platform for building and funding digital public goods, such as open so- source software. They've already had a backing of $40 million in funding hackathons, grants, crowdfunding, or uh 
and crowdfunding and its accelerator. So it grants via quadratic funding, which identifies community support by weighing the number of contributors more than the amount to be funded. Um, so there's obviously a lot of coordination challenges with these DAOs because you're dealing with individual users who are autonomous. Um, so there is a need which has come kind of out of this ever. It's kind of been the wild west. So they wanted a need for legal formalization. So basically they wanted to establish what is the legal wrapper? What is a DAO? Is it what kind of corporate? Is it a corporation? Is it an LLC? Is it a partnership? Um, and what is that? And the reason why they want to assign this is so they know how to regulate it, right? Um, so there's the traditional re legal wrappers that you can assign to these DAOs, as I just mentioned, but nobody likes those for certain reasons that I'm about to explain. So they have bespoke legislative frameworks that have come out from certain jurisdictions. Malta was the first um, to basically create a DAO organizational structure on its own. Um, in Wyoming, Tennessee, and Vermont, they have specialized LLC forms called DAO LLCs, where you can have limited liability in your corporation. Colorado has its own. Um, and then they've even developed a COALA model law. So the Coalition of Automated Legal Applications is a blockchain think tank to develop a proposed regulatory framework for the DAOs. So they decentralized their own legal framework for decentralized organizations. Wow, this is giving me a headache. <laughs> Wait, is this only for private entities or also you could think about structuring <clears throat> public entities that way? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it is technically public, but oh, the I, I think what you're saying is a public entity, meaning kind of tied to a sovereign or... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry. Well, so the whole point of that is, the whole point of this is to get away from that. Um, okay. And this is the the implications of the legal structures that I just said. So you've really hit on it because if you are regulated or if you do become part of these organized structures or you are a state that is a DAO, um, then you're subject to significant regulatory obligations. For example, if you're operating in securities, um, you do you have to report to the SEC? Do you have to be subject to investigations? Are you subject to fines and sanctions? Obviously, no one wants that. There's also taxation implications. So if you are a Wyoming DAO LLC, are you going to be subject to taxation the same way that an LLC would be um, there? Because some of these are actually income generating organizations, right? So they're crowdfunding or so they could be deemed to have retained an, um, revenue or a profit. There's also employment and labor law issues. If you are a registered entity, do you have to adhere by these things? So there's a lot of issues going on and that and it really has to do with the fact that no one wants to be regulated they want to maintain anonymous and they want to maintain decentralized so what has come out of this is that if they are autonomous and they are decentralized what happens to the disputes that arise from these DAOs, right what if there's a mishandling of fun embezzlement what if you're financing terrorism uh, there's all of these things that come up and the problem with the disputes structure as we know it is what is you know party autonomy well there is no party autonomy because everyone's anonymous there's no jurisdiction because you're not tied to any jurisdiction and that leads to a host of issues um where do you bring this dispute um if you actually have a dispute put in front of a court how do you enforce it but what um, kind of disputes would you be talking about would you think what kind of disputes would emerge from this well, I mean, so the this statement doesn't touch on criminal law or tax law or anything right. like that. But if you just have a normal 
um, commercial dispute between a, for a smart contract oh, that needed to be enforced. Um, for example, mishandling of funds within the DAO, um, just or the or are there? And this is still like a a question: Are there um, fiduciary duties that the um, each DAO user and owner um, needs to abide by? Um, have they violated the corporate government structure that is part of their smart contract and informing the DAO. So there's these types of disputes that can come out. Um, but the problem, as I said, is that we have no idea where to bring these disputes, no, no idea where to enforce these disputes. Um, but, uh, sorry, Binance is um, a online exchange that was made in China, but the CEO has gone on and has evaded um, enforcement by all securities regulations in the US. Um, if you try to bring a claim against Binance, the CEO said, well, Binance is headquartered wherever I am. Um, so I can move around the world and you'll I'll, you'll never be able to enforce against me. So there's a blockchain digital uh, dispute resolution idea and an online dispute resolution idea that actually has materialized. Um, and I'd like to just note for people that Florence Guillaume, who is a professor in Switzerland, has published an article on this, so I encourage everyone to read it. Um, but based, so there, there is already a platform in place, so I can give just an example. It's called Kleros. Um, and Kleros is something, and I thank Jan, our editor for this. Um, so Kleros is a, it's one of the most popular blockchain arbitration. So they call it an arbitration application, um, but the candidates for the adjudicators first select themselves into specific courts. Um, and then the final selection of adjudicator is done randomly, meaning a party cannot directly nominate someone. Um, and then there is what basically- they themselves? Sorry. What? Select them. What did you, did you say? They select. The, oh, they they they, they nominate themselves. Oh, basically, okay. so if you're in this blockchain platform, uh, yeah. you nominate yourself, and then it's randomly selected who's going to be the adjudicators for that dispute. I see. Um, and these have become basically they've been referred to as jurors because you're it, it's a few people. It's basically you're being judged by your peers, right? Um, and then the problem is with this platform is that it becomes a bit of a yes, no, do you win, do you don't win um, type of binary dispute resolution. So there is still um, there's still a way to go. But the enforcement, so a lot of these issues that we're talking about could be ameliorated um, as far as enforcement, because you can directly enforce uh, a blockchain transaction, someone can transfer their crypto into a trust account, and then it's held on trust until the case is over. Um, and because it's not necessarily, well, depending on the dispute or depending on the co corporation operation, uh, it wouldn't be something that would deprive them of their, you know, being able to operate their business or operate their lives. But, and then when you get the award, yeah, they sign the transaction and it immediately transfers. You don't have to run around the world trying to go to local courts and trying to enforce it. So is that like the New York convention equivalent for blockchain? Exactly. Uh, okay. Wow. And so what is it called again? Kleros. K-L-E-R-O-S. Wow. Yeah. So they're trying to, basically, they're trying to go a step closer to the international arbitration legal framework like the New York Convention, where you right. can enforce your award worldwide, but it still lacks the flexibility of the private autonomy and the role of conflicts of laws and um, 
state immunity if you're dealing with a state right. because you know states are now getting their coins yes. um their own coins so and so wait do you have Th- then i suppose you have to make reference to those rules or agree to be subject to claros yeah for exactly. it to apply. okay I see. so it. that would either be as part of the dao organization or oh, as part right. of or whatever that um however it comes up in your in your smart contract or whatever in your terms of use if you're operating with binance uh, these bigger blockchain exchanges are using arbitration for like physical arbitration we can call it but then you have the problem can our physical arbitration as we know it in its structure that we have it fit for purpose is it fit for purpose oh, fascinating. every time you say dow i think that dow jones dow jones <laughs> i think of emperor dow Ah, uh, okay. Well, but uh, no, I know it's <laughs> it's an it's another vocabulary, it's another language. But what I think we need to realize, and this is exactly what you're about to say, since we recorded um, anachronistically, is that um, it's either whether you you figure this out or you don't. Um, and I I don't think now, right? this is happening now. It's not yeah. like this is the future. Um, yeah. And I think what we were thinking about with blockchain dispute resolution was. Um, someone, you upload your contracts to a website and some AI bot reads it and lets you know what the answer is, which does exist already. Um, but this is much different because you're dealing with users and individuals that wish to remain anonymous and they wish for the entire idea to remain decentralized because that's, that's how this all started. They don't want to be under enforcement. They don't want to be under regulation. They want, they want to operate anonymously and and how do you regulate deregulation this is it and this is what the states are dealing with now and they are first of all they don't know so they have to figure it out then by the time they do know the technology has gone 10 steps ahead so Mm -hmm. the question is if sovereigns are not able to keep up as quickly as they need to in order to make this happen um, for example, the U.S. has just declared that digital assets can be securities and therefore subject to the regulation. Well, they've been selling securities for mm. years um, on the blockchain, so that doesn't really catch up. So it's almost like we the you have to fight fire with fire, right? But it raises so many questions with respect to security and what oh, yeah. it, what falls in the public sector or not, and. You know, I, I suppose states would want to regulate at least, you know, just to make sure they have a, they keep an eye on what's going on. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. And states are, states are putting out new, mm-hmm. regu- like new regulations saying that you need to license yourself in the jurisdiction if you're right. going to market that product in that jurisdiction. And so they're trying to find ways to get oversight and to tax them, you know, these people are. But or even just to control what they're doing, no? I mean, what if it's like uh, a nest for criminal activity? Nobody yeah. knows who they are, right? There's no liability. Exactly. Like tornado cash, where people were just mm. not, they were just kind of releasing funds into this to this tornado, and you don't know where the funds are coming from. And then that fund can finance whatever it wants, Yeah. be it terrorism, the war. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. So disputes to the rescue, isn't it? Disputes (laughs) to the rescue. Yeah, because what you're saying is this is going to be prone to a lot of disputes. And if there are disputes, then you need to have a dispute resolution mechanism. Yeah. And mechanism means regulation. So you're regulating. (gasps) Oh, what's that? Yeah. 
wow, more, more, more work for us. Cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get into it. Business development 101. Exactly, <laughs> guys. So for, for those of you who are starting or for those of you like us who are in the middle of it, it's high time we switch gears and and focus on these new kind of disputes. Absolutely. All right, wow. let's move on to happy fun time. Thanks, Brian. So ChatGPT, guys, are you scared of uh, ChatGPT taking our jobs away? Are you using it? I think is the second question. And I uh, use it all the time. You do? Really? Okay. So tell us what for. (laughs) Um, If you are, for example, I was drafting a settlement agreement and I wasn't happy with the way I was wording the indemnification clause. So I typed in, can you make this better? Uh, And it made it more concise and it eliminated a lot of the American verbiage that I'm so prone to be using in my settlement agreement. <laughs> wow. And it came out pretty well, at least a starting point. Obviously, you give yourself the editorial oversight, but I was impressed. So do you think it's like better than a first draft that you would give a first year associate or even a trainee or the reverse, a trainee or even a first year associate? Depends on the question, I mm. think. Um, I haven't tested it to its extremes, but I have, for example, on a pitch was asked how to prove a tort and my brain exploded because I was like, where do I even start? What does this even mean? Uh, even the prompt question was wrong. So I just typed it in and it was like, and I, because obviously the recipient of the information will probably be someone who isn't versed in the law. And so it needs to be a bit more elementary. So I typed yeah. in, can you define tort? And the um and, and the elements of tort to someone who is not a lawyer. And it's like I'm out. missing out. I feel like I should be using this because all of a sudden, because I'm old and grumpy, I haven't really paid that much attention. But all of a sudden I'm realizing there are a lot of potential routine tasks that you can improve relatively easily. Yeah. So do you know anyone who's used it? Or I, I uh, to, have you heard about Harvey? No, no. You haven't heard about Harvey. So first of all, I don't know if the reference comes from Suits of Harvey Specter, but ANO has his own chat GPT and it, it called it Harvey. So they're using it. They're like, oh, send this to Harvey or what? give it to Harvey. Yes. This is for oh, real. Really? Yeah. Yes. So it's their own like platform? Well, they have it. I, I think it's chat GPT plus plus or they're, they're putting in their internal resource. And please guys for me, I know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I heard. And this is what I read. Yes. Interesting. They have, wow. Yeah. 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 And I <laughs> think that's what we should all be doing because if, if the, if chat GPT is about scanning information, we all have so much information in our law firms, right? Or yeah, our the knowledge memos. Yeah, exactly. And so if we could have our own kind of AI, which uses, yeah, of course, external that... and internal information, then you have, you wow. know, this is this, this would be amazing. Yeah, f- feeding the, the underlying information is obviously crucial. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, relying on extensive in-house information, it's, it's brilliant. A friend of ours used... At GPT, the the generic one, not a law firm special tailor one, and just fed it a link to a Jon Paulson article, and then oh, asked yeah. asked it to draft. Let me see. Uh, now draft me a compelling pleading following the style of this text. 
explaining why an international arbitration tribunal should grant the claimant more time to file its memorial and then gave some facts that should be incorporated. And uh, the suggested briefing that came out was, you know, with, with five minutes of editing, a perfectly reasonable request to a tribunal in the style of Jan Paulson, based only on one article. Imagine if you could just add, you know, everything that's been written by a firm or for that matter, like the scholarly community in arbitration and have that as the basis. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> that's something that we this this is kind of a routine task that we all do on yes. a daily basis that that to do it properly would take an hour for a, mm-hmm. for a good first draft. But if you can spend five minutes editing another one, you know, the, the scalability is extraordinary. Yes, I mean, definitely. I think I think I th- I read an article somewhere where they were saying it's not so much that it's going to take away jobs; it's going to make a difference between people who are using it and people who are not using it. Oh, interesting. Um, and I, I think that's definitely true. And especially in our daily day tasks, like we're mentioning drafting. I mean, Brian, you mentioned drafting. There's of course legal research, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that you can give it. And I was also testing it to structure a presentation I was giving. Um, and and I was just like, okay, how, um, you know, can you give me an idea of how I would prepare a presentation on? And it was really vague. It was like the rise of mining claims um, in Africa. And I was like, okay, so first of all, I would structure it starting uh, by giving some data on why it matters, you know, why mining matters and the rise of mining claims, especially in Africa and so on. Then I would go into some specific examples of recent, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I would have done. (laughs) Brilliant, you know? That's really good. Our firm, our firm just put out something called Kemp Chronicles, and it's like just a newsletter of just update legal updates and stuff. And it's not, it wasn't fully AI generated, but it was basically taking articles and information that we did have and synthesized it into that type of language and format. And it was formatted and done all through AI in an easy way. You know, what you, all these people giving out news alerts about case summaries. <laughs> well, that's easy now. <laughs> what I'm worried about is the fabrication of, and I, I think there's already been a lot of discussion about this, like ethical concern, but fabrication of evidence, of documents, all mm. of that. How can you check uh, if something's legit or not? If if Do we have a software that can detect if it's coming from AI or not? You mm. know, kind of the same way where I suppose when Google arrived and then there's all these and i'm sure jewel you must be most familiar with that like academic softwares that can check if you're plagiarizing yeah. or taking this from um the web or or any other article yeah i mean those those have been around for a while but they are now well if not superfluous uh, they need to be updated and improved significantly with right. the same amount of power as the tools that can be used mm-hmm. crazy yeah, yeah. i and mean and we- no, sorry. sorry, go ahead. Go, 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 go. Well, and ChatGPT, you know, we've limited the discussion to the this type of platform, but I found out yesterday there's like nine of these platforms and there is a platform that amalgamates nine of these ChatGPT style platforms to amalgamate what those answers would be and process what the best would be. But also since each of these platforms has its own kind of unique variation on what the output is, um, you can kind of pick and choose which one you want to use. So it's not just this one. So there is like a diversification in the market already. 
which is mm. crazy. There's no monopoly, you mean? No. No, no antitrust <laughs> issues. <laughs> exactly. Wow, this is... Uh... No, it's fascinating. I think we we have to catch up really quickly. And all as we know, arbitrators are, are very tech savvy, aren't they? Especially in our line of business. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I think I read a quote from, yeah, it's from Maxi Scherer. And she says, yeah, tech savvy arbitrators are as rare as vegan butchers. <laughs> Which says it all, doesn't it? Yes. Um, and I think it's true. It's right. I mean, we were just having a conversation with with a colleague and he was telling me how, he, I'm not going to name who it was, <laughs> the arbitrators were still requesting paper copies. Oh my gosh, even though you had to do e-filings and all of that. And they were just asking for all the exhibits to be printed out and everything. This is like a very complex, you know, construction dispute. We're talking about some millions of documents. And Ooh. you're just thinking, gosh, like these guys, are they not familiar with PDFs? How are they going to be familiar with ChatGPT? Also, just the commercial reality of like, you're going to, oh, you want all the as built drawings of this pipeline? Great. I'm sure yeah. you're going to read it. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. And uh, I'm not, we're not even taking, talking about the metaverse because I don't know if you guys have used, um, have used like those goggles. I've walked the through the metaverse, I've dipped my toe. Oh in the meta pond but imagine like doing a side visit yeah that would be cool wouldn't it like very cool everybody has those goggles and you're just you know you're looking at what happened the defects and everything i mean it would just save us so much money be so much more efficient Mm. um that's true I think the purpose of today's discussion is to let Joel know that he needs to hurry up. <laughs> Joel, yeah, exactly. You and everybody else in the community, I suppose, yeah, except for the people who saw it coming a long time ago. Might be time to upgrade my typewriter to <laughs> right. catch up with developments. <laughs> okay, on that note, Joel, we will release you back into your old school technology haven. And uh, it's nice to see you guys and nice to be back. Yeah, nice to be back. Same. See you soon. I think. See you soon. I think I'll I'll uh, give you some books to read. Uh, yes. Speaking of old school heavens, so we'll, we'll we'll. What is it? Season seven at this point. Yes. Eight? Seven. Yeah. That that now maybe it's time for the arbitration session book club that we've been talking about since twenty seventeen. <laughs> and Sadia, you have speaking of AI, you have something coming up, right? Yes. So the Young Singapore International Arbitration Center is organizing uh, in London Disputes Week um, an event on international uh, international arbitration, of course, but AI. So AI. AI, um, artificial intelligence, uh, which is happening on 17th of May um, in uh, Latham and Watkins offices from 9 to 10 a.m. So be there. We're going to be discussing about all of this. And I hear that there's going to be another guest in addition to the physical panel uh, mm-hmm. who's going to be, I think, ChatGPT. So you guys should come and see. We're going to ask some questions to ChatGPT. It's going to be one of the speakers. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> All right, guys, until next time. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye.